Recorded on March 29th, 2022. District Woes. Welcome to the Push Ahead Podcast, the podcast that's all about pushing the political conversation ahead, not pushing back. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Shelby. And I'm Pamela. And we're here to talk about DeSantis vetoing the congressional map, the Supreme Court nomination process, and what's up with the Brevard County Charter Commission. Before we get to that, let's talk about the elephant in the room. There's we only lots have of one them. elephant in the room today? We have a few. Okay. We have several. We have the slap heard around the world, which... Just overshadowed everything breaking. Yes. Yeah, so as everyone is talking about at the Oscars, Will Smith got offended and then decided to meet words with violence, which is always a good idea. But the important thing to remember about this whole situation is that... None of the ringleaders from the January 6th commission have faced any charges or penalties, and they are still sitting in Congress. I feel like this is how we should start every topic now. (laughs) One thing to remember about the slap at the Oscars is that our Supreme Court justice nominee has faced racism and hatred. Yeah, the the thing to remember (laughs) about Will Smith slapping someone is that Putin is on the verge of peace negotiations (laughs) and withdrawing his troops from Ukraine. And besides the slap, there's a little bit of treasonous things going on with Clarence Thomas's wife that came to light and was confirmed that she decided to plot the insurrection with Mark Meadows. Or at least support the insurrection with Mark Meadows, like the wife of the Supreme Court Justice. First of all, if you remember in 2020, everybody was all up in arms about Hunter Biden's laptop Mm. because he was the son of a presidential candidate. But hey, a wife of a Supreme Court justice. Yes. That Supreme Court justice obviously knows nothing about what his wife is doing next door to him during January 6th riots. Right. So. And, you know, how can you be unbiased against your wife? Yeah. (laughs) How how is he not recusing himself? But I mean, uh, blatant corruption and all that aside, when I was in the military, even recently, I'm not that old. I'm only 87 years old, but I was in the military just about a decade ago that even then, whatever my beautiful wife did could have had a negative impact on my career. Correct. Missed, your, your secret clearance. Yeah. Yeah. That is still the thing. Missed bills, substance abuse, uh, major traffic infraction. She didn't have any of those things. None of that. None of that. <laughs> But it was a good Air Force wife. Yeah. But the thing is that we are currently not holding our Supreme Court justices to the same levels as we hold our military officers. Or even enlisted, correct? Like enlisted, every single member of the military yeah. has to own their spouse's choices. Yes. And let's just think about the fact that, like, I don't know, the Supreme Court justice's wife wants to overthrow our government. Like, mm-hmm. why are we not even just... Just who cares whether he recruits himself or not? She needs to just be locked up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Had I been, you know, an officer in the military at the and time. And a gentleman. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never a gentleman. Had I been a gentleman and an officer and over January 6th and my wife was plotting to overthrow the government, that would have had a negative impact on my Yeah, you think? Yeah. yeah. Yes, and, and we're also saying, what they discharge. I mean, the military's already discharged the members that they have found to have yes, gone 
Yeah, participated. They, yes. they they dropped them within days. But the thing is that in the military, if you do something, then the, you can be prosecuted under the UCMJ. But if What's uh, the UCMJ, Jamie? Uniform Code of Military Justice. It's the extra special set of laws that you sign up when you raise your right hand and swear to defend and support and defend the Constitution of the United States from all enemies. Uh, yeah, say foreign you and foreign and domestic. Domestic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would that be maybe let me think of domestic enemies. Would that be maybe somebody supporting overthrow of our government? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The... So I'm sorry, when you keep talking about officer and a gentleman, I just have this song in my head and it's like, let's count those votes and throw them out. <laughs> oh, no. oh, but, no. but also, you know, if he were to have been found to have an affair. Yeah, he out. He would be I, out. I, I would have been out right away because that's against the UCMJ. But when I was in the military, if I were to do something, that would reflect on me and I would feel the consequences pretty much immediately. Mm-hmm. But for the spouse, that's more of a slow burn. It would reflect negatively in promotion and kind of long-term retention type uh, statements. So stuff would make it onto your record, but it wouldn't be as direct or as influential. But eventually it would be a slow flush out. There would be some sort of red flag. Even if that spouse was openly calling for overthrowing our government. Oh, yes. That would probably be a little faster. Mm, No, it would it would still be slow because we're not giving you a how to manual. Because because the spouse did not raise their right hand and swear to support the defense and defend the Constitution. But they would get a talking to and a like a couple of letters in their file. Yep. And it would show up on, you know, if if their career survived, it is a permanent file. What's Unlike that? the one we're threatened with yeah. in elementary school, that really is a permanent file. Yes, yes. So, you know, they look back about seven years. So this is going to be a black mark on the record for seven years. It is a little bit sad that an arbiter of the law feels himself above the law. This is a little bit concerning, but he needs to recuse himself. But when has the conservative politician ever faced consequences for right. their actions? I mean, look at his colleague and teammate, yeah. Kavanaugh. But the Supreme Court's not actually currently listening to any January 6th. No. Because it could eventually no. make their way but, out there. But so they has did, time to recuse himself. They did rule on it in the past. Thankfully, in, they ruled against Trump. Yes. But, but uh, Thomas got to weigh in on that opinion. So Yeah, I think he wrote one of the dissents. I'm sorry. She needs to be arrested. Hey, that's, that's conspiracy number one, where yeah. you've got a wife of a top government official. I mean, a wife of a lower government official. A wife of anybody. What she did was encourage insurrection, period. Yes. Speaking of consequences for rich people, or lack thereof, the New York Attorney General says significant evidence that Trump committed fraud in undervaluating his assets. That is a tax fraud. Yep, and this is not the federal. This is the New York State Attorney General. Yes. So he can be brought up on New York charges, which the federal government cannot impede on. Yeah. So even if he were, like... Please, God, let him be charged with this because he can't pardon himself. If he ends up stuff. in state jail, the next president, be he Republican or Democrat, can't pardon him. Yep. Cool. Um, yeah. So as a little bit of background, I'm sure that those among you who are paying attention may have thought, oh, but I thought that the prosecutors in the Trump case in New York quit because the attorney general said that they that they wouldn't actually try to make the charges. No, that was the state attorney. Yeah, that no, that was federal. That was the federal circuit court. Yeah, so that was a federal case, okay. which was different. So summarize what you're saying is that currently what we heard before is no longer. This is a yeah. new um, investigation or a new level of investigation. Yes. Okay. Yes. And it can't be 
taken away. No. Because those darn states' rights. Yeah. yeah. And when the attorney general says that there is significant evidence, I am much more hopeful because she's not going to come out in the public, risk her credit by saying, yeah, we found significant evidence, but hey, we're not going to charge him. Yeah. So what they're talking about though is they found evidence they committed fraud and are devaluing his assets. Yes. Which is not, you know, the same thing as wanting our country to burn. But we got Capone on tax evasion so we can get Trump on undervaluing his assets, you know? It's yeah, amazing don't care how. the dumb things that people do that end up catching them on the biggies. Always, always pay your taxes. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't lie on your taxes. Yes, especially state taxes because, but yeah. that is interesting. I'm looking forward to that because if there is a conviction, DeSantis has signaled in the past that he's not going to allow cross-state or federal extradition of Trump. So he could, in theory, use state resources to prevent New York from picking up Trump. Well, but then also maybe she's also planning that when he is in a different state yes. well, to arrest him. Wait, can somebody finish the thought? Yeah, so essentially there's either a clause or a law in the books that allows the Florida governor to defend people in the state here. And say that, He's no, we're not going to extradite yeah, you. Basically extradition. Yeah. yeah. You said she will wait for him to be in a state where they will allow it. But the, the upshot is that one of the reasons that Trump's campaign was so successful is because he was relentless with his campaigns. And if he doesn't show up in other states, right. his campaigns aren't going to be as effective if he's under house arrest in Florida. So basically, if this goes through the way it like magically could happen if we lived on the land of Oz... Donald Trump could never leave Florida again. Yeah, which is he, a very Florida, ugly Florida, he would have to face jail. Yes. yes. That would be so fun, although we'd be but, stuck with him forever. But no, but. he has to leave because he still needs a new jet. <laughs> right. He has to fundraise for that. Right. But so that's that's the thing is that the second he lands in another state that has, uh, you know, uh, but an agreement with New York. Yeah, an agreement. But another thing is that his Secret Service agents are also law enforcement agents who are bound by state and federal laws right so they would probably be the ones to actually arrest him should that it sounds like so much it sounds like television drama this it sounds like 24 it sounds like a reality show right yeah well we've been living in a reality show this could be the next apprentice like apprentice to capote and and (laughs) capone and and as another thing coming out of another federal district court, but it's a civil matter. So out in California, there's a lawsuit going into one of Trump's many criminal acts that he was accused of doing while he was still sitting president. It's either January 6th or it's something assigned with the impeachment or something. But uh, the thing is that the judge came out and said that Trump could be held criminally liable in the case and the thing is that they're not there's not going to be charges that come out of this immediately. But the legal circles are thinking that this is a BFD, you know, big effing deal, because now we have oh, a, Joe Biden. <laughs> so so we have a an opinion on federal record from a federal judge saying that Trump can be charged. And people are thinking that this may finally give Merrick Garland the authority to prosecute. We have to move fast, though, especially with the January 6th thing, because if the Republicans regain the majority, mm-hmm. they're just going to dissolve the January 6th commission. Yes. yes. So we've got to just give them everything they can and fuel them. And and we have to win in the fall. But 
we have to just prepare, set ourselves up for success by making sure we get this done, mm -hmm. at least in such a fashion that they can't just dissolve it because it would be so obvious. Right, right. Okay. And local news. So County Commissioner Brian Lober. And so Brevard County has five county commissioners. I've learned a lot about this. It's actually the highest paid elected office in our county. Yes. Right. Twice the salary of a state representative. Do, can they can they vote to raise their salaries? They're currently actually, the Charter Review Commission, which we're going to talk about later, mm -hmm. is actually reviewing that. Now, to be fair, they haven't had a raise since 1998. Oh, boy. So- which I imagine they're making what they're making in 1998. It's crazy. But regardless, so Brian Lober resigned yesterday unexpectedly. He says there was a death in his family, and, and I'm sure that that's weighing on him. There have been a lot of other health choices in this, this four years that he's been serving. This is actually his reelection year. So there was an audit going on with PRR funding that he had done. Over $40,000 worth of county commission credit card purchases. It's, it's like a prepaid card mm -hmm. that they all, that he had actually led the call for all the county commissioners to just have a card to handle their COVID relief funds. Oh, so he lobbied to get himself a gift card. Right. They all have them and nobody, he's used it like 20 times more. And this all came to light through an anonymous email. I swear to you, I do not know who did it. It was none of the people that people think it was. Mm. I know without a doubt, it was not the people that I know because they would have told me. Um, <laughs> so we, none of us know who it was, but somebody had done some public records request and sent an anonymous email to all the county commissioners, the Florida today and to me saying, Hey, we don't know why, but Brian Lober has spent this much more than everybody else combined. And there was a lot of purchases that were really, there was a refrigerator and he, he explained a, some of them. He said he bought camera equipment for a business that was suffering through COVID the $750 chair is apparently a major point of conversation. Nobody knows where the chair is. It's funny. He remembers like in detail the hardware that was used that he purchased to mount the equipment that he was buying for an office, but he doesn't have any clue what the $750 chair is. It just like totally slipped his mind. Oh. I, bizarre. The the hardware. So like screws and nails. Literally screws like to the penny, but he doesn't, this, I don't oh. know what that is. That, that, that sounds like a screwy memory. <laughs> So you the chair was like it. the main thing, right? And there was an audit requested and he requested that Rachel Sadoff, who is our property appraiser, recuse herself. The emails back and forth were, I mean, he literally said, I'm rubber and you're glue. Oh boy. In an email exchange with another elected official. And I've got that email too. It's hysterical. Is that something that we're allowed to disclose? Yeah, we can say that. Okay. The emails, okay. every email between an elected official is public records. You can sure. look up any of them. I never share anything that you can't know. Okay. And then he asked her to recuse herself. She refused. They were having their audit and there's some thought that audit wasn't going to come out in Mr. Lober's favor. Oh. But just taking it at face value, he said there's a death in his family. He needs to resign to take care of that. This is what really is important to know is how what happens next right all of why he resigned that's all going to come out in the wash other people that are smarter than i am are going to figure that out and expose it all but what happens now is governor desantis gets to appoint his replacement you and um, we expect that we're like, let's do that in harmony <laughs> we expect this all together you we expect that'll be by the end of the week i've heard some names bandied around he will appoint his replacement and that replacement will serve through the election in the fall because there was already an election in place because it was under 12 months. If it was over 12 months, there would be a special election mm -hmm. to replace him. Under 12 months left in his term, the governor appoints his replacement. 
and the election goes on in November. But is it a replacement that already has to live in the district that he was representing, or can it be any Tom, Dick, and Harry? You know, Governor DeSantis. Some, and people can always move districts after they're appointed. That's legal. I'm going to tell you, it's not who people think it is. What I know about our county's politics is that if Ron DeSantis is making a political appointment, then it's actually Wayne Ivey making that political appointment oh, okay. with a little bit of input or a lot of input from Mike Herodopoulos. So these people are the ones that are actually appointing this replacement. The names I'm hearing, I don't want to give away too much, but no, good. The names I'm hearing, I'm like, honestly, like we could beat them in the fall. So we are still actively looking for a Democrat to run in that race. We've always been looking for a Democrat to run in that race. People were hesitant because Brian tends to be really toxic in his campaigning. And Um, spendy, $133,000 worth of spendy. In his illegal campaign finance? 120, well, I believe like a hundred and like. Five of that was not exactly legal. Yeah. And our county, well, we're going to talk about our public defender in a little bit. So much just gets overlooked. I mean, it's it's just appalling. But he does get really nasty in his campaigning. And his last opponent was a woman named Vicki Michener. And they did a negative ad campaign talking about Victoria's Secret. It was just, and she was a veteran and a phenomenal human. I do think it'll be a fun race. And it's coinciding with our school board race for District 2. So I, I just can't wait to see who's going to land on. We've got a couple of people I've been talking to. Nice. Lots of... Uh, you are listening and you're one of the people I'm talking to. Call me. This is an important election coming up, mm-hmm. sounds like. Very important. Well, and the, I mean, the appointment process, there's not a lot the county commission do other than the fact that they will approve the charter review commission recommendations, but there's not a lot that they've got coming on their plate. So it's just a... But Governor DeSantis is appointing your next county commissioner for District 2. And that should make anybody listen to this podcast go, ew. All right. So that is those elephants out of the room. Let's talk about DeSantis and the district map. Oh, this should be fun. So, yeah. I mean, one, the congressional map was pretty gerrymandered to begin with, but it wasn't gerrymandered enough. Nope. For him, Uh for his liking. So he vetoed it and is calling a special session of Congress of the state legislature to hammer out an even worse map. So he's just bullying the the state into continuing to to make the the district map even worse. A word of the wise, when we put something on the Constitution to vote on, can we take that the legislature has a last say in it, please? Nope, because DeSantis wants to be the dictator. (laughs) He is the dictator. Yeah, he is the dick. I like the dick. (laughs) The dictator. So, yeah. I mean, honestly... It's a super Republican favored map. I don't know what in the heck he thinks isn't. I, I think you just put the nail on the head. He must be able to say that he doesn't like anything. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so as if a, he does not get his way, he's going to whine and scream and cry like a little baby. While we're here, let's, let's unpack the old context box and let our listeners in on the kind of the history behind this whole thing. So, okay, uh, let, let's go back a couple of years. Okay. The, let's go back a couple of years. Yes. Let's go back to when our county college. was blue and life was good. Right. But uh, I, I mean, kind of the most important recent event, rather than going back to the, the dawn of time. In the beginning. <laughs> In the beginning. No. There was this, the light and the mass. After the earth cooled from a <laughs> hot pot of magma. No. Magma. Um, so... Uh, some governorships are more important than others, and those that are in office after every census lands get to approve a new congressional map. So whoever's in power 
works with the house to, in a perfect world, in a good and just world, build a district map that provides representative government according to race, gender, class, ethnicity, language, what, you know, uh, political affiliation, all these other different things. And if you're doing it right, if 50% of your populace say votes Democrat, then 50% of your house should be Democrat. Well, I mean, explain that it like district. Jamie just did, I think yeah. it's important because if we for 30 years had the majority of voters in the state of Florida and could not get a majority of elected representatives, that's the mm-hmm. end result of gerrymandering that I don't think yes. people really get. Like if the district we have thirty percent representation. If the, yeah, if the districts are drawn fairly, then that wouldn't be the case. Yes. So they draw the districts in a way that put more Democrats in, like that crazy district that was went from Jacksonville all the way down to Orlando because that was a majority minority district because that would pack all the Democrats yes. into yep. the district. Um, so they draw districts really carefully and surgically in a fashion that benefits one party over another. And we do have a law in the books that is hasn't been. Respected. Respected whatsoever. We I have mean, a lot of laws on this. But we, we, the League, floor, or the League of Women Voters sued, won their suit, yet no new map was redrawn. <laughs> Florida government, listen to women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so surely you jest. But there are a couple of Don't techniques. Call me Shirley. <laughs> there are a couple of techniques that you can used to draw unfair districts. The one way is to pack a district and make it so that 100% is one way or the other. So that rather than if you were to go over a geological area where if you had three districts, but 45% of the total populace was, say, blue, then in theory, you would have one red district, one blue district, and one swing district. That could go either way. Or you could pack it so that way you had one very, very blue district and two red districts with what was left over. Or you could actually rig it so that way you had one marginally blue district and two districts that were just ever so slightly majority red. And so that's a way of taking a 45-55 split and turning it into a 33% representation. Also thinking about how this practically looks. It's not just partisan conversations, but if you draw congressional districts that favor the very wealthy, let's just say with that, for mm-hmm. example, you you split up all the the poorer sections of the state and give them fewer congressional districts and make sure that the very wealthy have more and the very wealthy are going to be the people making all the choices for our state on a national level mm-hmm. and on our local level. I know he vetoed the congressional map. Did he veto the state maps as well? I do not know. The headline was he vetoed the congressional map, which there was rumblings he was going to do anyway because he didn't like it enough. I think-, I think the district map, I think he knows that that one's pretty much solid. Hmm. Solidly red. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we've been solidly red since the late 90s. Which, so. again, shouldn't be. Yeah, no, we shouldn't be. That's why we campaigned for this law to be passed, and it was passed by over 60% of the vote. Yep, yep. So I know that the Republicans have turned minority rule into a A uh, work of art, man. Yeah, but but it is their entire way of staying in power. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes. Because the, the more of a political edge you get, the more laws you can pass that disenfranchise voters, the more district maps you can draw. It is a vicious cycle of oppression. And you can also then travel around the country telling conservative voters, hey, look at Florida, look at our, our yeah. elected officials. We are clearly a red state when we weren't. Yeah. 
And and honestly, Dems were asleep behind the wheel. Like we were not even noticing that this was happening until it's now. It's not too late. Everything can be reversed, but we just need to be really, really aware of it and take it very seriously. Yes, for as red as we are, we are within a hundred thousand votes. And yeah. la- and last election, we were within thirty-two thousand yeah, votes. So we were in thirty-two thousand votes. And uh, another fun statistic is that as of today, I just Googled it just now, um, there have been 73,134 COVID deaths. And after about the first 20,000, following national anti-vaccination, anti-masking, anti-social distancing trends, the majority of those are Republican voters. So it is possible that COVID may have wiped out DeSantis's original edge. Well, he spent a long time traveling and bringing more people here. The other part of that is that, you know, we don't take this seriously and this is happening to us. We end up with, again, but our representation we, looking very Republican. But we're always competitive in the governor's race. Oh, always. no, 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 no. Here it is. Okay, here it is. The other thing is that our voters actually are much more progressive in what they want. They just don't know it. You know, just here locally, that the increase in minimum wage passed overwhelmingly in Brevard County and statewide. The Amendment 4, restoring voting rights to returning citizens, passed overwhelmingly statewide, 68% of Brevard County. Almost all of our issues that are issues driven, the voters support. Yes. But we, they just, they, they don't know that, right? They're, they don't understand that what they're supporting is democratic values because we've allowed the Republican Party to paint us as whatever yeah. they want to paint us as. Reality is, if you're listening to this, maybe if you're not listening to this, you probably align with a lot of things that we all want. We all want a more peaceful place to live. We all want a more prosperous place to live. We all want a safer place to live. Yeah. And you tend, if you're not, if you're a Republican voter, you tend to vote with me. So just go for it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> then the other part of that, though, then what happens is we all as a state vote for these things. And I'm going to tell you, most voters probably think the minimum wage is about to increase because we voted for that. They probably also think that there's a class size um, requirement in our schools because we passed that amendment as well. Citizen-led initiative passed overwhelmingly and the state legislator just wrote a law around it, allowing, which is, I don't know why we're not suing over that, um, but that's, voters don't want this, but the Republicans in power repeatedly ignore what voters actually want. Yes. Yep. Yeah, there is a widespread, even even among Democrats, and this is a real problem that Democrats have, is that elected officials believe that their voting base and the voting base at large believes people are more conservative than they actually are. Well, people in power also think that they know better. Yeah. I know you voted for that, but you don't mean it. Right. Yeah. I mean, even in the early 2000s, Michael Moore said every single value that he was even arguing for in 2004 had overwhelming, overwhelming majority support. I mean, we've proven it at the ballot box. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I know you thought you wanted minimum wage to increase, but you didn't really. Yeah, I mean. I I know you thought you wanted returning citizens to get their voting rights back, but you didn't really. Yes, 94% uh, agree with gun control. And um, I mean, this is like, not just polls. This is polls that matter. This is our votes. Uh, Disclaimer. Um, I believe that both sides, in that both sides are the same, is GOP propaganda. Yes. It's it's something that they shout as they smear feces all over the wall. Both sides are smearing feces all over the wall. And the Democrats are like, ew, no. I will say both sides, Republican kids and Democrat kids need well-funded schools. Yes. Democrat kids and Republican people need affordable, good, competent, available health care. Affordable housing. Affordable housing, a livable wage. But the problem is that only one side is actively fighting for that. 
So it, it's really sad. We need more people on the streets to tell people who we are. And we're going to talk about that when we get to the yep. end. You know, yep. Throw in an or, see what uh, you can do. All right. So we need to name that something. What is part it? Where we talk about what's that, what, how people can help. Okay. Yeah, we do. Okay. So zooming out to the federal level, the Ooh, Supreme Court has been undergoing a nomination process for the past couple of weeks. Yes. And oh my God, Biden just had to appoint a black overqualified person to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Mm. How dare he send someone who is qualified to do the job and who doesn't cry about beer. <laughs> and who takes racist questioning without being baited. Without even flinching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, she is, if you look at a side-by-side -side comparison between her and the rest of the judges, she has more experience than all of them combined. Right. More Judicial experience. Yes. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, the, the Republicans appear to fear uh, competent government. <laughs> OK, I do have a I guess John Thune two hours ago. He's a senator. This is what he said about why he's not voting for her. She's too competent. She'd actually make good calls. Oh, it's better than that. I cannot in good conscience vote for a Supreme Court justice whose record indicates that she will allow her personal political opinions to shape her judicial decisions. Ew. So let me translate that for you. I cannot, in good conscience, vote to affirm a justice who is both a female and black. Yeah. <laughs> How dare she have well, a history I mean, of being, is, at, you know. Nobody can pretend to not have a political bias of some sort. Yeah. You just, it, yeah. it, it's disingenuous and untrue. Can we talk Clarence about that? Clarence Thomas, let's just go back yep. to that. Yep. You know, his wife was encouraging insurrection. So how can we possibly think that there's no political bias in that person? So continue with what you're saying. Yes. So Katanji. So let's. Yeah, she's awesome. But let's look at the last three that were shoved in and our nomination was denied to us for three political hacks. And then also that came out, she has the highest approval rating for a Supreme Court nomination since 2005. How dare the government enact the will of the people? <laughs> Yes. Who was it in 2005? Roberts. Ah, but the, you think she's going to pass? Yes, because the nuclear option has been disbanded yeah. or is, has been in place. She um, will get a simple majority. Manchin yes. has come out and said he is a yes. I haven't heard on cinema, but. Um, we also haven't heard on Collins or Murkowski. No, but I mean, Collins. There's no reason to think that they won't. No. Right. Well, there's no reason to believe that they will because right. good old photographed in front of a big old Confederate flag, Senate leader McConnell has said that he's not going to vote yes on this. And so he's going to use his influence to spread the Confederate flag around and say no on this vote. Yeah, I was shocked that Mitch McConnell's like, she's awesome. She's perfect. She's everything we want and I can't vote for her. Yeah. Okay, this is from a pro Second Amendment group. Judge Jackson affirms Second Amendment rights, but questions linger. What questions? She likes your amendment. How dare she be so black and so woman? <laughs> We're going to keep getting back to you. Those are the questions. Yeah. How? Is, how, she, is she black? Is yeah. she a woman? Is she nominated by a Democratic president? Yeah. 
you know, how I dare mean, she's going to pass. She's yeah. going to be our Supreme Court justice. She's eminently qualified. She's going to give us a moment of um, another moment of pride in our history. Yeah. But it just really stinks that they had to treat yeah. her like this in the process. But yeah. So it, it is a real shame that the Republicans have to showboat about this because they are distracting from how Will Smith slapped someone right. at the Oscars. <laughs> and the thing that you have to remember about that is that Trump is currently feeling potential criminal charges from the, the New York district, the Georgia case, which is still kind of slowly ticking really? along. But here's how our other lovely fellow Republicans are saying. Josh Hawley is saying Judge Kintaji Brown-Jackson didn't punish criminal defenses defendants harshly enough, while his campaign sells merch with a picture of him saluting the terrorist who stormed the Capitol. So when do we expect this process to be complete? The Republicans are going to drag it out as long as possible. Well, so in these proceedings, there is a set amount of time for debate. Yes. uh, Which is why, like, the chairman holds the time and he grants time to senators to speak. And so then when the senator says, "I, I cede the rest of my time back to the chairman, essentially there's a chess clock going on. So they can only drag this on for so long before they have to start addressing Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Because the thing about that is that the budget is about (laughs) implementing a 20% tax on uh, billionaires. I'm reading right here. They expect the Senate Judiciary Committee to vote on April 4th. Yeah. So that's when the clock runs week. Yes. But also the lovely comparisons. Look at what we just saw Kavanaugh go through. The outburst, the yelling, his love for beer. Yeah. How can we be expected to respect Judge B hasn't pulled out a box of calendars demonstrating where she was at spring break? Or a blank notebook to show that she's a blank slate. Yeah. Honestly, I prefer Judge Jackson's presentation. I like that she's to the point. There's a reason that the other two had to do what they had to do because we were attacking them and they deserve those attacks. Absolutely deserve those attacks. But there's nothing for them to attack. Um, it's on. So honestly, she doesn't have anything to say but be intellectual. But also she is being called out for her sentencing guidelines for pedophiles, which I'm sorry if you read the sentencing guidelines in the federal courts. It's up to the judge. She did choose. She did choose the most lenient sentence to give in that one particular case she explained it but i mean i'm just we don't get to call them hypocritical and not be completely transparent from our end right. as well yeah she used the most the most lenient that she could in one particular case which i don't have a problem with i don't think you need to be hard on every single case i mean she took everything into consideration he was 18 these people were actually his peers they were you know yeah yeah so he wasn't a rich white dude and right. she went easy on him and they're angry about that. Right. Where's those mandatory a, minimums, damn it? And if he'd been a, a lacrosse player from oh, Duke, yeah. you know, yeah. and white. No, Stanford. Stanford? No, yeah. Stanford was swimming. Wasn't oh, Stanford it? was There are swimming, so many yes. of these things. Yeah. There was a lacrosse at Duke and the white. And the, the lacrosse team was, was a big hairy deal. And I think that they ultimately got acquitted. Yeah. Yes. However, the Central Park Five still haven't been. So I am going to have to recuse myself from Duke commentary because I am a Duke basketball fan. Okay, you're allowed. Go He's Coach K. Lots of shenanigans going on on the Hill. Lots of people, I guess, trying to Lindsey Graham shaking his jowls because he can. She had a great comeback and I don't even remember it, but she did really well. Yeah, I believe that he was trying to question her on... Her she religious said, values. Senator, I just oh, yes. Yeah. I just don't know why. Basically, she yeah. said, why are we talking about this? Yeah. Senator, there is not a religious test for the Supreme 
court justice. So, um, in fact, that should be like right away. You're like, ding, you're in separation of church and state people. Yeah. Yeah. So take away, we expect her to be approved. I personally would say don't even enter into a debate with anybody about it. I haven't had a conversation with anybody about it. These are, it's all political theater. People are like, Josh Hawley is just getting his moment, his 15 minutes in so we can go home and tell his rabid base that he bought the big, black, big scary black he's, woman. He's, he's trying to go for a standing ovation. Yeah. Oh, and so. be- also, before we leave federal and talking about awesome women, RIP Madeline Albright. Yeah. Who said, I believe in democracy. I just don't think we should shove it down anybody's throat at the end of a gun. Okay. And now we get to go to our crazy, crazy county. County Charter Review. Here's the review of the review. Our county is a charter county, which means that we basically have our own private constitution, if you will, that kind of supersedes the state constitution. It's about 25 years old that we've been operating this way, and it determines how our county is run. And every six years, there is a committee meets, and the committee members are appointed by our five county commissioners. They each appoint three, so there's 15 members of this body. And they review our entire charter and come up with recommendations for the new charter for the next six years. Typically, this is a place that you do things like, I know one of the county the charter review members is going to present something on affordable housing, on a, a local affordable housing trust fund. I think it's an awesome idea. Mm-hmm. They're also hearing a proposal on um, a water uh, an amendment, a commitment to clean water rights. And then we have, they're, they're currently also discussing the bus to the charter spending cap. So our, our, our county is one of two counties in the country that has a unique income cap that we bust every year for the sheriff's budget, but that's another subject. <laughs> so school board members cannot be recalled. There's a group locally, it was fueled by Moms for Liberty, and then it separated that uh, to recall Jennifer Jenkins. And they started this, <laughs> this plan yeah. before... They started this plan when she was first elected because they didn't like the way she dressed and the way that she spoke to them. Oh boy. No lie. She wore spaghetti straps to the school board meetings and she was rude. So, and they actually said to me that she'd lied. And I'm like, I, I promise you, she's never told a lie. Like, you may not like her. That's cool, but she's never lied. How dare she wear spaghetti straps? So, and I'm not even lying about that. So then Moms for Liberty started gaining traction and the mask mandates were implemented again in the fall. And then April, actually, of last year before that happened, the school board sent out reminders of the, the, the things that they have in place to support teachers and staff in implementing federal law, LGBTQ protections. Yes. It's federal law. Yep. That's the school board. And by the way, Tina Deskovich was on the school board when they created these guidelines to support following federal law. Mm-hmm. Jennifer was not on the school board. This was the, when they first showed up outside of her home was in response to the email that they sent out supporting teachers and staff and implementing this. How um, dare she want her. to protect students? Well, you know, that's not even the point. It's, even if she didn't want to protect students, it's a federal law. How dare yeah. she respect federal <laughs> right. law? Right. So all of this led to a conversation, apparently at a cocktail party or something with Matt Nye and Blaze Tredis, who is our public defender. Uh, Matt Nye is a wannabe everything. He's run for many offices. And they said, uh, Moms for Liberty asked them to put in the charter that you could recall school board members because school board members cannot be recalled. Now, here's the thing. They cannot be recalled anywhere in our state. I don't know why. I, I don't have a problem with making school boards treating them like anybody else. I truly don't. So I, we I can, read. can we recall our state representatives, no. our state senators? So that's a whole, we cannot yeah. recall anybody at a state level or above, but we can recall 
anything else. You can recall county commissioners. You can recall, well, they say the sheriff, but I haven't found yeah. proof of that. But here's a problem. So Blaze Tredis is your current elected public defender, meaning that if you are arrested and charged with a crime and you cannot financially afford a lawyer, his office provides legal counsel for you. Okay. I thought you were talking about a pizza place. <laughs> no, Blaze Tredis is actually his name. Okay. Um, he is your county public defender. Blaze Tredis's charter review. Shenanigans. Um, proposal is this. He said, the title is Proposal to Amend Brevard County Charter to Add Recollections to School Board Members. Now, when they first talked about this and the paper wrote about this, they said, you can recall you can recall people anywhere in the state for a number of things, malfeasance, misfeasance, public drunkenness, a felony, um, but it can't be on policy. There's not a single person in the state that you can recall based on policy right. or a vote. And in the paper, he was quoted as saying, different. And I thought, no. So I wrote my statement and then I went and he said this. I'm going to read you exactly what he said. Um, they finish out their term no matter, much, no matter how much people disagree with them or how much they would like them out of office. There's a Florida statute that's been in place for 48 years, which provides for the recall election of city council mayors and county commissioners. So it is very remarkable that the city of Atlantic with 3,000 people can recall their city council, but a school district of over 120,000 people in Brevard County has no way to recall a school board member. Blah, 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 blah. Again, I'm like, I don't have a problem with that. But then he says that when he, when he planned this and wrote it, um, that he thinks it should also be based on their votes. Um, if you don't like the way somebody votes, you should be able to recall a school board member only and only Brevard County school board members. No, so our five Brevard County school board members would be the only, y'all got to listen to this, would be the only elected officials in our entire state who could be recalled because you don't like how they vote. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that what we do every four years Correct. at the ballot box? So he said in his statement, he said it was based on the fact that our school board makes all these health decisions for our poor children. And this is what he said that was an actual blatant lie. He said Brevard County School Board voted to require school children and everyone in a school to wear a face mask. And that rule, that order was only undone because we have Governor Ron DeSantis as governor. And he called the session, the legislature into session and passed a law which prohibited school boards from ordering children to wear school masks. It is only then that the mandatory school face mask order from Bavard County Schools was undone. So that, that's one. Put a thumb print in that. Thumb tack in that. And then he goes on. He says, Andrew Gillum, if he had won and he were in office, he would have vetoed that bill in November. And right now, if that had happened, then right now in Bavard County, they would be facing indefinite forced masking of children in schools. This is your freaking elected public defender. It gets worse. So then he starts talking about more about that, routine decisions, a policy on, this is still quoting Blaise Tredis, a policy on, say, transgender students in schools. I think that is definitely something that could happen in Brevard County because Brevard County public school system has a transgender written policy, which allows children at every age, K through 12, to use the shower, locker room, bathroom of what they identify with, meaning boys can go in the girls' bathrooms, shower room and locker rooms and vice versa. The policy also requires teachers to use the pronoun of what the eight-year-old wants to be used. So let's park here for a second. Two things. Let's talk about this one first. That's federal law. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, he wants you to be able to recall school board members because in his incorrect assessment, they violated an executive order, which did not have the power of law. But he also thinks they should be recalled because they're following federal law. So getting through all of that, my statement was, I said... Um, the mask policy, as approved by the school board last year, was never indefinite. 
first I said to him, I said, you know, I don't know. Maybe you just don't know. Obviously, your facts are wrong, whether it's ignorance or malice. I don't know. So I'm going to give you the facts now. This was at February. On October 4th, the Brevard School Board set metrics in place, giving the superintendent the power to rescind the policy when Brevard County's positive case rates reached 50 out of 100,000 cases. That allowance was approved by three of the board members, Misty Belford, Cheryl McDougall, and Jennifer Jenkins. That threshold was reached two weeks later, and the opt-out was added well in advance of the governor's executive order's legal authority, which was in November. Yes, but you know facts don't matter to these people. They should now because they're now a matter of public record. You can all, everybody should public records request my comments to the the Charter Review Committee. So he now knows that this is fact. So then March, he had not edited his comments at all. He's still saying, based on this, we should be able to recall school board members. So I said, um, I said, I gave you the benefit of the doubt in February that maybe you just didn't know. So here we are again. And these are the facts. And to say this is politically motivated is demonstrably untrue. Because on June 2020, a county commissioner asked for a mask mandate. And yet we aren't trying to say we should be able to recall the county commissioner because of policy. So he rudely interrupted and said, you know, you can recall the county commissioner, right? And I said, yes, but not because I don't like the way that he votes. (laughs) I don't have a problem with you recalling school board. I have a problem with you making it the the only five people in our entire state that can be recalled because you don't like the way they vote. Not one person that voted for Jennifer wondered how she was going to vote on masks yeah and so everybody that voted on that the recall for masks happened on august 8th 2020 when what? they elected jennifer jenkins with 54 percent of the votes versus 46 percent of the votes yeah just as a little bit of commentary though so it's like at this point you know kind of recall for following an executive order recalling for not just your your friendly reminder that two fascists and autocrats hypocrisy is a virtue because it is showing that people are above the law. They are not accountable to facts or truth and that it is a sign that they have dominion over people. So this is a. And they like painting it as if the school board acted above the law. Yeah. The school board was completely within the law. And this is an absolutely naked power grab that we need to call out as a naked autocratic power grab that doesn't respect the elected populace. And guess what fascists also do? They don't respect the facts. They will. They don't respect the facts and they try to distract you and they and they really don't like me because I can't be distracted. Right. So when I'm presenting my fact with the Charter Review Committee, they kept saying, well, how do you, what, and I said, Mr. Treditz, will you admit that you misstated the facts in assessing your proposal? And he said, I might've made a mistake, but how do you feel about the LGBTQ guidelines? And I'm like, you mean federal law? And I said, <laughs> I'll discuss that at the next meeting. But today I want to discuss the fact that you want to make school board exceptional. They keep at, they, they want to distract people. They were attacking all of all these people by saying, you think school board should be the only people we can't recall? And I'm like, no, you do. You think school board should be the only people recall based on, you don't like the way they vote. Like that is just not a thing. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and wondering what you can do, be very consistent. It can't just be, we don't want them recalled. If, if you want to recall a school board member because they've committed malfeasance, misfeasance, or any of the other number of things that you can recall anybody for, I think that should be. I think basically every constitutional office, by the way, that includes public defender Blaise Tredis, should be able to be recalled for the same standards. Right. So if we're going to say based on your policy, then it needs to be everybody. And then we will never accomplish anything because every day there'll be a new recall effort. Yes. Yes. And this is the cliche of speaking the power of truth all we have is the people to fight oppression 
to fight autocracy, to fight control of the corrupt and the greedy is the truth because they will fight it with laws and oppression and dominion and hypocrisy. And the only thing we can punch back with is the truth. And when we're presenting that truth, as much fun as we have being all emotional and passionate, be dispassionate about those facts. Like this is the fact. It's not a matter of wanting our school board members to be recallable. It's about having that recall with a different standard than any other elected official in the state. And by the way, you cannot recall the governor Mm -hmm. for anything. The governor could get drunk and drive into a building. You cannot recall our governor. That was the one thing. But then the other thing that became frightfully, horrifyingly clear to me was how horrible this human being is. And that if anybody should be recalled, it's him because he's the public defender with this, this transphobia. And I'm thinking, imagine being a trans person serving and not being able to pay for your legal counsel, which is not unusual and having to depend on his office when it's now a matter of public record that he thinks you don't even have a right to a bathroom. Hmm. Well, if he thinks that about trans, I really want to know how he thinks about, you know, minorities. I actually don't because I probably already know. Oh, I know too. Yeah. So just know that this is going to be my conversation for a while. I'm going to be not only fighting to, if we're going to add school board members to the list of of recallable, which by the way, statewide, it actually can't be in 1974. There was a law passed that they basically said nobody can. They're trying to get around that too, but at least be consistent in your standards. And then I'm going to be make sure everybody knows what a horrible human being. It's not expecting them to be consistent. It's calling them out on their hypocrisy. Exactly. Always. This is going to be what I'm going to be demanding of our elected officials as your party chair. That and to let everybody know that your public defender is a horrible human being. Yes. Yes. Expect hypocrisy and call it out when it shows up because it is always, always, always associated with a naked power grab. Anybody listening can go to the Charter Review Committee meetings. They tend to cancel every other one. The next one is April 21st at, I think, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. What a convenient time. Yeah. And it's important to pay attention to what's going on in the county because Will Smith slapped someone. (laughs) (laughs) Right back to it. And the thing that you have to remember about meeting words with violence is that there's a lot of county level corruption going on and people trying to. So much. Thank you for making me laugh, especially locally, man. They're like crazy. So what you can do locally you always ask that, which is volunteer. Hold on. Are, are, are we are we transitioning? Are we transitioning? Is, is this? Are Wait, we, is, we can we say transitioning? Can we say gay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank no, you. No, no, I mean, uh, hold on. You said we needed we needed a name for what's. Oh, going like on. throwing an or is what my favorite majority fifty four says. But we could say now for our county corner. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now for what you can do. Yeah, the county corner where you can help out with the Brevard Bulletin Board. Oh, I like Brevard Bulletin well, or turn Brevard blue. How about build build a better Brevard? I don't know. Build, building Brevard. Build back Brevard. <laughs> this idea of, it has to be something action-oriented, right? Yes. Can't just be a place. It's action. Yes. Build better. Build back or Brevard. Build a bluer Brevard. Action Brevard. <laughs> okay. So now how do you, how can you make Brevard a bluer about? <laughs> yes. Tongue twisters. Let's talk about building a bluer Brevard. We'll oh, leave it at man. that until you, and if you don't like it, we can talk about it. Oh, no, I'm going to stumble over that every time. Okay. How to build a bluer Brevard. <laughs> um, so right now, 
We are, our next initiative is we are reaching out to the 3,500 new Democrats that have registered within the last few months. <gasps> Yay! Um, and honestly, y'all would be shocked if you knew where they are. So the newer Democrats. Now let's, let's, I, 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 whenever I see about new Democrats, you know, or new Republicans or people changing or dying or whatever, how many Democrats and Republicans are in this county? There are right this moment, 132,000 registered Democrats and a hundred and hang on, I'll tell you exactly. Um, hey, we are cutting into their but, margin. Well, we're really not because they keep, we're, there's a 60,000 margin. It's been really consistent. There's 191,600 registered Republicans and 131,388 Democrats. But we recently had 3,300, 3,500 new Democrats. Now that could be new people that just moved here. It could also be people that changed their party. They went from NPA to Dem, from Republican to Dem. But it's a total of 3,500. And we're reaching out to them because you feel like if you just made the effort to recently register or change your party, then you're ready to vote. Right, yes. Right. So oh. reaching out to them to get a mail ballot in their hands. We only thing we do is turn people out. And we know if you have a mail ballot, you are 48% more likely to vote. That's actually demonstrably true. So we are about getting everybody a mail ballot. You don't have to use it. And just so everybody listening, having a mail ballot is not forcing you to use it. You can go vote on election day if you choose. You can early vote if you choose. It's just what I like to call voting insurance. Because yeah. if you end up putting it off to the last minute, you end up getting a double shift because you got three jobs because you live in Brevard County, mm. then you can give somebody your mail ballot to walk in and your vote still counts. The, the Republicans know this and they the reason they're making it harder to vote is because they know if more people vote, they lose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they know the people they're leaving out are you, the people that have three jobs, the people who need the vote more than anybody. Yeah. We were one of the proudest states in the nation that said, hey, yeah, we got this figured out. We got this figured out. Lori Scott is a Republican. She runs a great office. Our supervisor yep. of elections office is great. So we are currently reaching out to those new Democrats. We're walking up to their doors, knocking on the door at ideally our neighborhoods. Like I am a member of the Democratic Executive Committee. I'll be not talking to the neighbors in my district to say, hey, welcome to Brevard. What made you become a new Dem? And we have a card that we've designed to welcome them, to show, tell them about our meetings, help them connect with local Democratic. Because here's the thing. We lost the Palm Bay election through turnout. Yes. We need more boots on the ground. We knocked 29,000 doors in Palm Bay and that was not enough, which means we won't win or make a difference statewide if we don't get more people that are willing to do that work closer to the fall. So everything we're doing right now is towards that. If you want to help us and you're not sure how, um, you can be part of our neighborhood teams. You don't even necessarily have, to, there's things you could do on a neighborhood team that aren't knocking doors. If we have enough people in our army, then people can do the things that they want to do. And everybody has, doesn't have to want knock doors, but knocking doors is the most effective thing we do. So our current thing, we're talking to new Democrats, getting them registered at mail ballot and getting them to meet their local precinct captain. Then we're going to be talking to all Democrats that don't have mail ballots with the same thing. We have pre-printed mail ballots. If you don't have a mail ballot, you'll be hearing from somebody. Um, and then we'll be moving on from there. And the idea is just to bring people into the process. There's so many things we need people to do. We need people that want to write sticky notes, that want to write postcards, that want to drive people to the polls that will knock those doors and have those conversations. Conversations aren't hard. They're really just like, do you like us or not? Um, well, so much. basically, if you inquire with Pam, she will give you a job. I will find some place that makes you happy. Yes. And makes a difference. Right. So that's what we're doing right now. Um, districts are having their meetings next week. So if you live in district 
one. You can go to La Marimba in, Tal- in Titusville on Tuesday night for dinner and for a social meeting and for a business meeting with the Democrats up there. District two and four, and that's the first number on your voter registration, your precinct, I mean, um, are meeting at Emma Jewell also on Tuesday night, I think. Go to our website, which is brevarddems.org. And District 3 and 5 hasn't nailed, haven't nailed theirs down yet. We have four months until the primary. Yep. And, which is also the school board election day. And yes. just as a reminder, Georgia turned blue because Stacey Abrams mastered the get out the vote effort and got voter turnout and got existing voters to send two Democratic senators to the, yeah. you know, to the federal house. I mean, Stacey Abrams was right. And if you want to help make a change here, uh, we're trying to push for the same thing. Yes. So be like Stacey. <laughs> yes, grassroots organized. What would Stacy do? Yeah, what, yes. what would Stacy do? She would be knocking on doors. Out. You, can call me at our, <laughs> you can reach us at our office. You can call me on my line. You can find all my contact information at brevarddems.org. Yeah, so if you like what we do or you don't like what we do, email us at pushaheadpod at gmail.com. We still have no emails. And if you like what we do, tell a friend. Uh-huh. Share. Yeah. Share yeah. lots on Facebook and Twitter. Tell a friend. And if you don't like what we do, don't tell a friend. Yeah. Tell us. If yeah. you like what we do, tell a friend. If you don't like what we do, tell us, then we'll fix it. We, and we'll have or if you want to argue with back. us, we'll argue um, with you. And take care of yourself. And if you can, somebody else. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yay. If you got something out of this and know of anybody who cares about what we're saying here, please share. Word of mouth is everything in the grassroots game. If we're awesome, tell a friend. If we're not, tell us how to get better. This has been another episode of the Push Ahead podcast. Please reach out to us via Twitter at push underscore ahead or subscribe to our podcast in your podcatcher of choice. You can find relevant links to the stories that we're talking about in our liner notes on our website at pushaheadpod.com. The music is Super String Theory by Lobo Loco.